0: This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm your host, Dakota Arsenault, and today's episode is presented by Civic Magazine. On today's episode, we are looking forward to the 2021 movie release calendar. Last year, on March 16th, I put out episode 102, Most Anticipated Films of 2020. I had recorded it the week prior and was eagerly waiting on so many high-profile releases. Right when it came out, basically everything shut down due to COVID, and at the time, everyone was optimistic that things would rebound shortly and get back to normal. The show's graphic I made included images for No Time to Die and Wonder Woman 1984. The Bond film was slated to come out in April 2020, but then was pushed back to November of last year, and now it's scheduled to come out October 8th, 2021, at the moment. I was also hopeful that Black Widow, The French Dispatch, The King's Man would all come out. Some movies I previewed did eventually get released, like Mulan, David Copperfield, Soul, and Tenet. There might even be a couple I previewed last year that will make it onto this year's list too. Joining me on this very futile task is Paulo Bautista, who you might remember from episode 100, Oscars Death Race Interview. He is just about the busiest podcaster in the world who hosts such, po- such podcasts like the Oscars Death Race, Box Office Watch, yet another anime podcast, Filmography and Focus, and more. Welcome, Paulo, and thank you for coming on.
1: Hey, Dakota. Thanks for having me on again. Always glad to be back on ControZoom.
0: Awesome. Now, how did your 2020 movie watching year change since just about everything important got pushed back last year?
1: yeah so the day we 're recording this actually is going to be the one year anniversary of my box office watch podcast uh, so kind of everything you just mentioned about you know films getting delayed uh, it 's an interesting time to start a box office podcast looking at the box office revenue when theaters <laughs> kind of close down uh, so that was it was it was interesting in that regard um I'll be frank, right, like, after the pandemic kind of sat down, I actually kind of lost a lot of motivation to watch movies. I kind of, like, went more into, like, watching the TV anime, which was still coming out on streaming at the time, hence the Yet Another Anime podcast. Um, that said, you know, in recent weeks, uh, with the awards season kind of kicking up, uh, the Oscars Death Race podcast is underway, and I've been making my way through the most likely nominees for, for, best, uh, for best Picture. Um, filmography and Focus, I like, kind of put on hold uh, until we could get movie theaters back in New York, which luckily, I think, With this week, um, as we're recording, they just announced that New York City's theaters will be reopening at 25% capacity, uh, I believe, next week. So, uh, or the week this episode comes out. So, uh, I might not go back until I get my vaccine, but, you know, things are looking up, I think, for the box office and, and looking forward to what's coming out this year.
0: That's that's cool. Uh, I, I did manage to, in the middle of the summer when Tenant came out, uh, family and I went out and saw it, and literally there was only the six of us in the theater, although it was like a midday, middle of the week sort of thing, but it was pretty cool that <laughs> we were the only ones there. So I felt safe.
1: I will say that I, I actually had a first like, I, I I took a little bit trip upstate. I'm, again, I'm in New York. I went upstate New York and uh, in August and... Uh, I went to my first ever drive-in theater, actually. Uh, oh. so I saw, a dirty, I saw a dirty Dancing uh, on, on, a, on, a, on a drive-in theater screen, which is pretty nice. And I meant there was also some other stuff like, you know, some film festivals um, have had some virtual screenings, which has been like a real boon of the pandemic if, if this a silver lining to all this.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Uh, It's it's interesting, the the comeback that uh, drive-ins have made. I really wanted to go because I was was seeing, like, oh, you know, some theaters are doing double billings of of Star Wars and Jaws. I'm like, oh, that sounds epic. Uh, But most of the time, because they do double billings, I find I'm I'm interested in one of the movies, and then the other movie I have no desire to want to see. So I'm like, I'm not spending, you know, 30 bucks to go watch one movie I don't want to watch.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: All right. Now, uh, because we're both obsessed with movies, it was kind of impossible to narrow down the titles to just a small handful. So instead, we've grouped them into five genres or, or styles of filmmaking. With that said, what's your first grouping?
1: Yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll say, I think, compared to your other guests on this, I think I have a bit more quote-unquote normie tastes when it comes oh, to film. don't um, say that. All right, all right. But in, in any case, I think my first category definitely uh, – Ties into like my pet, my my box office podcast where, you know, I I really enjoy looking at the big numbers that come out for for box office or, you know, flops in the case of of Justice League and Batman versus Superman. Um, But superhero films, I think, uh, there were a lot of delays from last year and um, there are a lot of superhero. It seems like between not only films, but also MCU and what they're doing with Disney Plus, a lot of superhero stuff, not only this year, but in in the next couple of years as well. Uh, Some of the films that, you know, coming out this year, that are hopefully coming out this year, on July 9th, we have Sang chi and the T- Legends of the Ten Rings, which would be uh, the MCU's film uh, starring Simu Liu as the titular character. Um, I'm personally interested in this one just because, you know, uh, as an Asian American, seeing an Asian American superhero uh, on on an MCU film will be kind of hopefully, I hope, uh, will do for... for Asian Americans, what Black Panther did for the black community. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, Suicide Squad, you know, there was a whole kerfuffle a couple of years back with James Gunn um, getting let go from Marvel and then getting hired on to do Suicide Squad and then getting brought back to do Guardians 3, which Groot is like my favorite character. I think what he did with kind of like that underdog of like C-tier characters in the Marvel universe to making them like A-tier um, is amazing. And I, I can't wait to see his take on, on Suicide Squad um, and kind of like that crazy cast that he has lined up there. Um, and then another one that's actually, it's not based in the U.S. actually, um, from, from my anime podcast, yet another anime podcast, uh, you know, I, I grew up reading Wuroni Kenshin, um, if you've, if you've watched Samurai X, the anime, which is, as it was called here in the West, um, it follows, you know, the story of this samurai from the Bakumatsu period, um, they have a, they've had live action adaptations, and I will say the Rurouni Kenshin anime series, or uh, live action series, is actually the best live action anime adaptation I have ever seen. Um, way better than that Ghost in the Cell film or Dragon Ball Evolution <laughs> or whatever. Um, so there's actually been already three Rurouni Kenshin live action films, and the fourth and the fifth, I believe, are set to come out in Japan uh, this year on April 23rd and June 4th. Hopefully, those will make their way over to the states. Um, not quite a superhero, but very super. Like larger-than-life character. Um, that being said, I think if there was one superhero film I'm the most excited for, it's got to be that Spider-Man uh, trilogy from the, in the Far From Home franchise that we don't have an official title yet, but December 17th, I think just from the rumors of all the casting and everything going on, this is going to be possibly the most ambitious thing since Endgame, I think.
0: Wow. Yeah. You know, that that's an interesting one because I feel like it must have been a couple of months ago now, it seemed like every other week there was like, oh, and Andrew Garfield's going to be back, and Tobey Maguire's going to be back, and this person's going to be in it, and that person's going to be in it. And so it's just kind of crazy to like, how are they going to fit all these A-list celebrities? You know, Endgame was able to do it because they were able to build up, you know, who these characters are over the course of 20-plus movies. And so when we only get like one or two scenes with the different characters, you you still know who their personalities are. But it's going to be interesting to kind of see how they... I don't want to say shoehorn, but basically shoehorn all these different actors and performers in.
1: I mean, I think they they have a lot. Of, like, so obviously a little bit of the behind the scenes baseball, right? Like uh, there's been that agreement between Sony and Disney to kind of share joint custody of the Spider-Man character. Sony is still working on their own, you know, Spider-Man cinematic universe. They've had the previous iterations with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Um, And, you know, they're doing currently, like, the Venom and the Morbius film that are, like, you know, uh, Venom came out, Morbius is slated to come out with Jared Leto. That's, like, separate but kind of in the same place. So I think that, plus the work they did with Into the Spider-Verse, which is, like, an amazing, I think, opened a lot of the gate for the potential crossover multi-universe stuff, um, I think laid the groundwork for that, frankly speaking. And the the Doctor Strange film, I think, uh, also is laying kind of, like, the groundwork and WandaVision even for possible multiple universal type stuff within the mcu so that that's my topic for the superhero category
0: yeah yeah th- those are some really interesting picks and definitely gotta give a shout out to simu lu uh, a good canadian boy making it big in the in the marvel right. movies <laughs>
1: shout, out to, shout out also the kim's convenience
0: <laughs> yes absolutely that uh that used to film right down the street from from where i used to work the real kim's convenience so that, that's kind of cool when uh, when people know that uh, all right, my my first category is movies coming to Netflix. Netflix announced a very ambitious goal this year. I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me, but basically one movie a week plus. I think it was uh, seventy
1: one seventy one total films this year. Yeah,
0: absolutely wild number, and you know a good number of that is they've been ramping up their actual original productions where they're you know involved in the ground floor, but still they they do a good job in the festival circuit buying films. So obviously we don't know which movies are eventually going to become Netflix movies, but seeing which ones are, are sort of slated already to come out on the surface, there, there's a couple that caught my, caught my eye. The first one being Blonde, which is directed by Andrew Dominic, uh, and it's sort of like a, a fictionalized chronicle of the inner life of Marilyn Monroe, starring Anna Diarmas as Marilyn Monroe. Uh, and this is directed by the guy who did The Assassination of Jesse James, and, and he hasn't made a narrative film since 2012's Killing Them Softly. And so I know he's highly respected in the, in the film world. So it's going to be interesting to see sort of how this turns out, especially as Anna de Armas becomes more and more of a star. Yeah, especially um, after
1: Knives Out and then and, and Blade 1 in 2049. Uh.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, the next one is The Power of the Dog, which is uh, directed by Jane Campion, which is about a pair of brothers who own a large ranch in Montana and are pitted against each other when one of them gets married. So the brothers are going to be played by Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Plemons, and then the women are Thomas and Mackenzie and Kirsten Dunst in it. Jane Campion was the second woman to ever be nominated for Best Director, and this is her first movie in twelve years. I know she did wow. a miniseries series uh, a few years ago with Elizabeth Moss, but she hasn't done a movie in twelve years, which is very wild. And it's going to be interesting to sort of see if she's going to get the audience on Netflix that she so rightly deserves. And then my last one that I'm really excited for uh, is called "The Harder They Fell," which is directed by James Samuel, uh, and. It's about a man who looks to extract revenge against the guy who murdered his parents. But the interesting concept about this is that this is an all-black western starring Idris Elba, LaKeith Stanfield, Regina King, Zazie Beetz, Jonathan Majors and Delroy Lindo among others. And just with that cast list alone, that has me very excited. This idea of a sort of a revisionist western starring an all-black cast sounds pretty cool to me.
1: Wow, well, that that definitely seems super interesting. I will say, you know, one of the you were mentioning like films that got that Netflix picked up. I think I'm, I'm, I think they picked a passing from Sundance this, this recently, um, which did. is like another like kind of like a uh, black centric film uh, that that might be uh, interesting and kind of like in a historical time period as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So there's definitely gonna be a whole bunch of really interesting stuff going on Netflix. They they really are gunning for that Oscar, that best picture, which uh, I'm sure you probably talked about a bit on, on your show as well, and have uh, are well aware of Netflix trying to go for the big award.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, all right, so I, so I do my next category then? Yeah, what's your number two? So my number two is actually uh, somewhat tied to streaming, right? If you were talking about Netflix. So obviously, last year, we saw one of the big One of the films I did was able to, like, you know, even after I kind of took a break from watching movies that I uh, engaged with was Hamilton, right? Like, and specifically the uh, Disney Plus, um, you know, they they, they captured the live Broadway stage performance, um, which was originally set, actually, I think, to come out this year. But they pushed it up uh, to to 2020 to kind of fill that content gap at Disney Plus. Um, So there's actually been a number of other films. uh, musicals kind of like in the works, um, including some that got delayed from last year, but the ones that were only, ex- that were uh, not not pushed back or whatever, were, we have one coming out, Dear Evan Hansen, um, is set to come out September 24th. Now, I've never seen the Broadway play, Dear Evan Hansen, um, but I know that Ben Platt, who uh, originated the role of Evan Hansen on Broadway play, is coming back uh, in this uh, theatrical version, or in this, yeah, in this cinematic version of it. Uh, so that'll be really interesting to see. Um, the other part, then, I think it will also the other one that's interesting is that you mentioned that Netflix has that seventy one film initiative. Uh, tick, tick, boom by Lin Manuel Miranda. i um, in his uh, not his directorial debut, obviously, but in his uh, feature film directorial debut uh, is coming up. And Tick, tick, boom is pretty interesting, uh, not only because Lin Manuel is directing it, but it's also bringing in uh, Andrew Garfield, Alexander Shipt Vanessa Hudgens, um, and a number of others uh, set to come out later this year about you know a theater composer during a midlife crisis. So you know, I feel like Lin-Manuel could definitely, like, anything that he does, I think, I'm going to be super excited, excited for. So uh, Tick, Tick, Boom, I think, would be my most anticipated musical um, that wasn't pushed back from last year. I have another one you know, later on we'll, we'll mention.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know what you're talking about, and and yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to sort of see if Lin Manuel Miranda is able to really keep capturing that magic of of sort of keeping everyone captivated. Hamilton sort of took over the world, uh, both when the you know the original production came out on, on stage, and then again last year with the movie release that they did. So it's going to be really fascinating to, to see if if people are really on the the Miranda wavelength, or if it was just like this one blip sort of thing.
1: He's got to get his EGOT. He's got to get his EGOT at some point, right?
0: Oh, you know it. Uh, all right. My number two is A24 releases. I did a podcast last year uh, chronicling the history of the rise of A24 films, and then I even did my own top 10 episode. Uh, that was a ton of fun to do. And so if you haven't seen those, listened to those, you should definitely go back and check them out. But uh, they've got a whole slate of movies I'm really excited about. First one being Come On, Come On, directed by Mike Mills, which is about an artist who embarks on a cross-country trip with his younger nephew, starring Joaquin Phoenix. It was directed by the guy who who was behind the movies 20th Century Women and Beginners, two of my favorite movies that I feel don't really get enough praise that they deserve. Beginners won Christopher Plummer, the the recently deceased Christopher Plummer, his uh, his first Oscar for that, and 20th Century Women was just a fantastic movie that uh, I wish more people had seen. Next one is Zola, directed by Janzika Bravo. And we know this is right now tentatively coming out in June, but uh, it's about a stripper named Zola who embarks on a wild road trip to Flora, Florida, starring Taylor Page and Riley Keogh. But the most interesting thing is it's based on the insane Twitter thread from 2015. If you I haven't seen I remember this one. Yeah. I remember this one. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is a wild story where it's this, you know, this woman. Uh, talks about how she like <laughs> met this other girl at a strip club and they decided to go down to Florida and get involved with some really dangerous and shady stuff and at the very end she's like and this is a completely real story and then she posted a picture of the two girls and it was just like blew my mind and of course the, it got picked up the rights got picked up right away to make it into an actual feature length film so I'm really curious about this one.
1: want to hear a story about how me and this bitch here fell out it's kind of long but it's full of suspense It, it almost feels like all those all those deals we saw about people signing movie deals for the GameStop stuff that happened a couple of weeks ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes I feel like people are a little too eager to pounce on the, the rights for stories, but sometimes, like uh, like the Zola story, I think it's definitely worth it. So I'm going to be curious to see how other stuff like the GameStop uh, plays out. Uh, and the next one, which I think might eventually make up your list as well, so I'll only talk about it very briefly here, but After Yang, directed by Koganata uh in a near future a family reckons with questions of love connection and loss after their ai helper unexpectedly breakdowns it's done by the directed by the video essayist turned filmmaker of columbus starring colin farrell Jodie turner smith and Haley lou richardson uh how does the quiet sensibilities of of coconut translate to sci-fi i'm really interested in this columbus was one of my favorite movies the year it came out and it was so beautifully shot so i'm gonna be excited to see how he does with uh, his follow-up movie and then the one I'm most excited about is The Tragedy of Macbeth, which is directed by Joel, but not Ethan Cohen. Uh, and so Joel Cohen is on his own after No Ethan for the First Time. It stars Denzel Washington and Frances McDermott as older versions of the Macbeths, adding an interesting wrinkle to their dynamic. It's being shot in black and white. Joel Cohen is married to Frances McDormand, so it's going to be cool to see them working together yet again. And Denzel Washington playing Macbeth? I don't know. That sounds like enough of a reason for me to see it. But just the fact that only one of the Cohen brothers is there when there's so many stories of, of people on set where an actor will go up to one of them, ask them a question, and then try to test them by going up to the other director and ask him and get the exact same answer. How does it only work when there's only one brain, when there's usually two of them on set? So I'm really curious about that.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, def- I that, that I could see that one having some Oscar potential. Potentially,
0: yeah. I, I really, I'm really excited for this one, and it doesn't have a, a date yet for it to come out. Uh, but hopefully, we find out soon. I'm guessing it's going to be award season next, uh, later this year or early next year, basically. All right, yeah, for- what's your uh, what's your number three? Yeah, for sure. So number three, I
1: think I'll I think I'll go into what I call my artsy category, right? If I'm talking about you know musicals and superhero films, those are like generally more broader people. I think artsy films are like you know which, which ones the cinephiles will be more into. So uh, you mentioned uh, after Yang um, by Kogonada, which you know I agree, Columbus was an amazing film. If you know. I'll be frank a little bit over my head when I when I first saw it. Um very meditative though with especially with the cinematography going on there. But I think I really enjoy science fiction in general. I think it's a genre that frankly isn't done enough and done well enough, I think. Um just because and I think the appeal of science fiction is that it has, you know, these unique perspectives, unique takes. And I think if there's someone who does have a unique one, it's Kogunada. Um so, you know, I think especially the fact that it's talking a lot about the idea of robotic life, which, I don't know, maybe this is just me drawing connections that aren't there, but, like, the fact that it's called After Yang, and then we had Andrew Yang, the the president, the Democratic presidential candidate, um, and, and now running mayor for New York, you know, his whole thing was, like, Mason and, and coming away and, and the, how it's revolutionizing, revolutionizing society. I just draw drew a connection there that seemed like, okay, After Yang, After Robots, this is about robots. It just clicks for me, basically. So, um, I don't know. I, this one's... I'm, I'm just interested to see good, more good and unique sci-fi out there. Um, and on top of that, I think Haley Lou Richardson is someone to keep an eye on. I think she's been de- her stock as an actress has definitely been growing in recent she's years. She's so
0: good. Yeah, I, lo- I love her. She's a fantastic, fantastic actress.
1: Right. Um, the other one, I think, in this category that caught my eye was The Last Duel. Um, this is a Ridley Scott film, which to be fair, Ridley Scott has had some hit or misses in in recent years Um, but you know, he he definitely has put out some bangers in the past. Um, The cast here though is really interesting with uh, Matt Damon, Adam Driver, Ben Affleck, among others, and it's telling a story of a 14th century uh, duel to the death between friends. Um, so, I think off of the cast of Matt Damon and Adam Driver alone, um, this one I think is 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 one I think caught, that's that, that's caught my eye for that reason. So, um, those are I think like the two films uh, that are a little bit more the cinephile Archie side that, that I'm I'm interested in this year.
0: Interesting, yeah, I'm uh, I'm sort of interested in uh, the Last Duel. I wasn't enough to put it on my list, but it's definitely one that, that I'm going to keep an eye on. So my number three category is Can These Legends Continue Their Hot Streaks? So the first one is Nightmare Alley, which is going to be the new Guillermo del Toro movie, currently slated to come out in December. And it's actually a remake of a 1947 thriller noir uh, about an ambitious carny with a talent for manipulating people with a few well-chosen words, hooks up with a female psychiatrist who's even more dangerous than he is. Now, Guillermo del Toro hasn't really done a typical or... Straightforward mystery film, so this should be unique. I don't know if this is going to stick to maybe that format because we all know him and he, he definitely likes to put more genre into his elements. Uh, but this movie stars Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Rooney marr Willem Dafoe, and Tony Collette. No. Another one is The Card Counter, which is directed by Paul Schrader, and it's about William Tell, a gambler and former serviceman who sets out to reform a young man seeking revenge on a mutual enemy from their past. It's Schrader's follow-up to to First Reform, the Ethan Hawke film that I absolutely adored. And I just want to know, is it a bit of a late career one-off, or is the 1970s master back for good? And so this movie's going to star Oscar Isaac, Ty Sheridan, Willem Dafoe again, and Tiffany Haddish. But the one I'm most excited for is Soggy Bottom, which it might actually have a different title, because right now under IMDb it just calls it Untitled Paul Thomas Anderson Film. Now, not much is known about this movie other than the fact that it takes place in the 1970s in the San Fernando Valley, but rumors are that this is actually a making about the making of 1976's A Star is Born, with Bradley Cooper playing the producer of the movie John Peters, and Alana Heim playing his lover and star Barbara Streisand. Leonardo DiCaprio was actually cast in both Nightmare Alley and Soggy Bottom before dropping out, and Bradley Cooper took over both the leads in them, so that's really interesting to me.
1: Yeah, that's that's super interesting, you know, hearing like the behind the scenes casting stories for this. So, you know, those those all sound pretty, pretty amazing. And and hopefully we'll see that, that the legends do continue those streaks.
0: Yes, absolutely. All right. What do you have as your number four pick?
1: Yeah, so you know, uh, as you can, as I've mentioned before, I have an anime podcast just because I love the, the the world of animation as, as a medium for storytelling. Um, and I think you know, obviously, uh, you know, Soul recently has been doing amazingly from Pixar. Um, and I have a couple of animated films I'm, I'm super interested in. One of them is the next uh, Pixar film, Luca, uh, which is set to come out June 18th. Um, you know, telling the story of friendship in in the I- I- Italian countryside. I'm um, not really sure what more there is to it, but I mean, after what Pixar has been doing, I, I I think it's pretty safe to just say, whatever Pixar puts out, I'm interested in, right? <laughs> um, another one tying back to the last category I talked about is Encanto, um, which is the November 24th release from Walt Disney Animated Studios. Uh, this one tells about a magical family uh, set, I believe, in Colombia, um, somewhere in Latin America, and, and kind of like the the inter- intermingling of music and magic for that family. Um, and as, as you can tell, it's, uh, a, a Latin America uh musical uh, it's got to have lin-manuel miranda tied to it again um definitely going that guy's going hard for his egot but um i mean you know a, a good anim- disney animated musical i think is is super interesting um that said the one i'm most excited for actually ties back to your last category of of if they can keep of these um legends continue to hot streak it's guillermo del toro's pinocchio uh which mm. is set to come out as part of netflix's deal netflix is definitely has a lot of really interesting stuff this year i think because they're not constrained by the same uh you know, limitations of traditional studios. So, you know, Pinocchio, this is something that I think Guillermo del Toro has tried to put his own slightly twisted sensibilities on which i think is makes a perfect fit for this you know kind of fridge horror type you know traditional italian uh fairy tale um the cast includes Ian mcgregor as a uh, cricket essentially um rob <laughs> perlman um is in it tilda swinton christoph waltz um you know david bradley so many others um and you know even finn wolfhard uh, i think from uh i think stranger things uh mm. is here as well so you know I think Guillermo del Toro, especially the fact that this isn't just traditionally, this isn't just animated. This is a stop motion animated film from what I can tell, uh, from what little we know. And I think stop motion is just one of the lost arts when it comes to, uh, um, animated films, you know, even if, you know, uh, Studio Laika has had some you know, financial troubles recently, uh, with, you know, their films not doing as well at the box office. Um, I'm still, if, if there was a Studio Laika film, they would have also been on this list as well. I'm super excited to see what Guillermo del Toro does, uh, with a stop-motion animated film, especially with Pinocchio. Also, they also have the Jim Henson Company in co-production for this as well. So you get a little bit of Muppet flair as well.
0: Yeah, that one's going to be really interesting to to watch. You know, Pinocchio already is probably Disney's scariest movie to begin with, and when you add someone like Del Toro who who does really well in the sort of fantastic realms, uh, I, I don't think I'll probably sleep very well after watching that, especially the the whale scene or when they all turn into donkeys. That's yeah. just going to
1: terrify me. <laughs> right? Exactly. And you know, it's, and it's a musical also. Right? When when has Guillermo del Toro done the musical?
0: Yeah, he hasn't. So I, you know, I I. I, I Didn't originally want to put that on my list, but I probably should have, especially knowing that it's going to be stop motion. I did not realize that. That has me really excited then.
1: All right. Uh, What's your fourth category then, Dakota?
0: So my next one is sort of indie darlings who are still early in their careers. And the first one is Red Rocket, which is directed by Sean Baker. Red Rocket is a darkly comedic film about Mikey Saber, a 39-year-old suitcase pimp. Uh, And this is the kind of pimp who lives off women in the adult film industry. This is Sean Baker's follow-up to his breakthrough movie, The Florida Project, and his previous one, Tangerine. The movie doesn't contain any recognizable stars yet, as the cast list only lists three names currently, but given Baker's background with his ability to really make you care and humanize people who sort of live on the fringes of society, I'm really curious to sort of see what he does here, and if this is going to be another sort of maybe award season hit, even if it isn't going to be a box office hit uh, like other directors. And then the one that I'm really excited for, though, is The Northman, which is directed by Robert Eggers. Set in Iceland at the turn of the 10th century, a Nordic prince sets out on a mission of revenge after his father is murdered robert eggers returns for his third feature after the witch in the lighthouse with another moody period piece and has an incredibly impressive cast which includes anya taylor joy alexander skarsgård nicole Kidman, ethan hawk willem Dafoe, Claes bang and bjork which sounds really interesting for me i know they had to stop filming in the summer due to covid and then they started back up in the fall and they did finish up just around christmas time uh so i'm really excited for this one because robert eggers has done a great job with his first two movies kind of combining uh, the supernatural horror with uh, really down to earth stories
1: yeah no those definitely you know I wasn't aware of these films I'm glad that you put them on my radar I'll definitely add them to, to what I keep an eye out for hopefully again when uh, we can go back to the indie art theaters near us uh, <laughs> when, when everything opens up again had you seen uh, the lighthouse and the witch I did see the lighthouse right uh, it was the one that got cinema, that nominated for cinematography at the last year's oscars yes yeah, that was you know, hark, hark. Um, but yeah, no, that, I definitely enjoyed that, and if it has the same cinematography, you know, behind it, I, I, I'm super excited for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we've come to our, our last category where we sort of decided that uh, for this whole episode, we would do our best to not reference movies that were supposed to come out last year uh, and just got pushed back. These one are actual 2020 21 releases but uh, it would be foolish to not at least mention a couple that we're excited for that were supposed to come out last year so what were your delayed films that uh, you're looking forward to
1: yeah well I think both of us probably had Dune as like probably one of the most anticipated ones so I think we'll Mm -hmm. set Dune aside um, you know coming out in October but you know let's see they they all all of mine kind of tied back to my categories as well right so within the superhero category uh, we have the Eternals uh, which is Chloe Zhao's take on the Marvel film coming out uh, a year later than its intended November 2020 release. Um, so, you know, Marvel's definitely going, I think, more for more Best Picture nominations after Black Panther. Um, I'd I, I love to see Chloe Zhao win the Oscar this year uh, for Best Director and then have them use that as part of their... Uh, marketing campaign for the Eternals coming out um, under the musical category like I alluded to uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda has In the Heights uh, the a- adaptation of his uh, breakout Broadway play before Hamilton um, You know, filmed here in New York City coming out in June 18th I believe on HBO Max as well as in theaters um, animated uh, I believe the week this episode comes out we'll have Ryan the Last Dragon which is like the first Southeast Asian representation in a Disney animated film let's catch you up my name is raya our lands have been at war for as long as we can remember our people never see eye to eye
0: my daughter i believe our people can come together again but someone has to take the first step now in order to restore peace we must find the last dragon i
1: wish to join this fellowship of butt let's go Coming out, Premiere Access on Disney+, Plus as well as uh, in theaters. Um, also coming from Japan, the Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0, the Evangelion Rebuild film. Uh, got delayed from its January release. We don't know quite when it's going to come out, but just continuing kind of like the legacy of the of Hideaki Anno's Evangelion films. Uh, super looking forward to that. Um, and then I have a lot more like in my art. A lot of my artsy films I was looking forward to last year got delayed to this year. Uh these include uh, Beatles Get Back, which is um Peter Jackson's uh documentary of uh the Beatles coming out uh in August 27th. This uses the same technology from his other documentary, uh They Will Not Grow Old, um kind of revamping uh, uh, archival footage to make it look more uh, modern day. Um and then Defense Dispatch, uh you know the the uh, Wes Anderson film, which I'll admit I haven't seen any other Wes Anderson films aside from Fantastic <gasps> Mr. Fox and Isle of Dogs, more stop-motion films. Um, I, my, my plan was to start up filmography and focus again uh, to watch the entire filmography of Wes Anderson uh, in order to uh, prepare for the French Dispats, kind of binge them all at once. Um, I have a couple oh, others, but those, but those were your choices. I'll, I'll leave these last two to you.
0: <laughs> wow I, I cannot believe you've never you've never seen any other wes anderson movies other than stop motions although those are two excellent ones
1: i i just wanted i just wanted to like see them all back to back just to get a sense of his style i just haven't had time yeah. to like sit down and watch them all back to back anyway yeah. uh what, what were the last two what were the two that, that you were interested in coming from last year
0: Yeah, so it was really tough because I I could have listed, you know, about a dozen movies because basically every holiday season, Oscar season, those are the type of movies I'm really into. And and you named a bunch that I'm, I'm definitely excited about. But two in particular, the first one being Last Night in Soho, which is Edgar Wright's new movie. It uh, it was supposed to come out, I think, in, in April or something, but it got pushed back again to October, uh, and it's about a young girl who's passionate about fashion design, is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters her idol, a dazzling wannabe singer, but 1960s London is not what it seems, and time seems to fall apart with shady consequences." And it stars a one-two punch of Anya Taylor-Joy and Thomas and Mackenzie, two of my favorite young actresses, along with Matt Smith, Terrence Stamp, and the late Diana Rigg. So this one's really interesting because from, from what I know, I think it's actually a bit of a vampire movie. And Edgar Wright always does a great job of sort of infusing comedy with horror. And I believe this is going to be his first movie where comedy is not really going to be at the forefront. It is mostly going to be a thriller or horror film. So how he handles all that is going to be interesting because... His movies so much have to do with editing and what catches your eye and the way he, he pieces everything together. So so what he does with fashion in, in 1960s London, it's going to be really interesting.
1: Well, I'll say, right, like Jordan Peele made the jump from comedy to horror, right? And I think the reason he's able to do so well is because both comedy and horror rely on the sense of timing. And if mm. there's one thing Edgar Wright is really good at, it's timing.
0: Absolutely. You know, that that's a great point and, and one I didn't consider, so I'm glad you pointed that out. Uh, and then the other one I'm really excited about is another A24 film called The Green Knight, which is directed by David Lowery. Right now it's tentatively coming out in July, and it's a fantasy retelling of the medieval story of Sir Guy Wynn and The Green Knight. It's another A24 movie directed by the guy behind a ghost story and the old man and the gun, and it stars Dev Patel Alicia Vikander and Joel Edgerton so I'm really excited for this one by by all accounts it sounds like it's going to be this really nice beautiful fantasy but also have elements of horror and thriller as well so I'm curious to kind of see what they do the the sort of brief clips we've seen on set photos stuff like that this movie looks like it's going to be something really special and I think A24 did a good job of not just releasing it onto streaming and waiting until they can show it back in theaters again tell me a tale of yourself so that I might know thee. I have none to tell. Yet. You have none to tell yet. I fear I'm not meant for greatness. We all fear. But fear can be a gift.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm always in support for more Dev Patel. I still have to see uh, David Copperfield, but, uh, you know, always, always down for more Dev Patel.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that about wraps up every big movie that we're sort of looking forward to this upcoming year. Will they all come out? Who really knows? Uh, Not though. <laughs> Paulo, I do want to thank you for, for joining me on the show today and talking about what movies you're excited about. Uh, what do you have going on, and where can people find your work? Yeah, so I
1: as as Dakota mentioned, I have a bunch of podcasts. I think the two that are most relevant for listeners of Con uh, would be one, my weekly box office podcast called Box Office Watch. Uh, we we keep watch of how much money movies are making and why. I just do a a, a bit of a, a weekly rundown on you know how much money movies made in the box office, any kind of like behind the scenes news about you know theater reopenings or some. I've pivoted into including streaming news as well as that kind of affects the box office at this point. Um, you know, I just again. And hit one year of doing that we just hit 50 episodes um, so looking forward to you know many another year if not many more of doing the box office watch um, and the other one I think that is particularly relevant uh, for for you know if you like the kind of films Dakota likes is the Oscars Death Race podcast it's a seasonal show where um, we try to watch all of the Oscar nominees or die trying uh, for those of you who don't know the Oscars Death Race is a challenge to watch every single nominated film for the Oscars which works out to about 50 to 60 shows or so in the given year of uh, movies in the given year um i completed my first oscar death race last year uh, when i kicked off the show we'll see if you know everything being on streaming makes it easier this year and in fact you may hear a familiar voice if you tune into uh, an episode in a week or so uh, from when this one comes out
0: yeah absolutely we won't, won't give any more away on that but uh, this actually won't be the last time we hear you uh, either you're going to be back uh, next month to discuss a subject that you're well versed in uh, and that's watching a whole bunch of Oscar nominated movies like you were just saying there um, how are you feeling so far are you, are you ahead of the game or do you feel like you still have lots of catching up to do uh,
1: I'll, I think I, I think I'm in a good place you know I think the fact that everything has been coming out on streaming you know in, in lieu of everything happening in the world um, makes some of it easier I think the ones that'll be the most difficult will be the international films and the and the various sort of uh, films and documentaries that may not be as easily available online. So uh, we'll see there. Um, and I, I guess like to wrap up, you know, where you can find me, um, I obviously I have a lot of different Twitters for each different show, um, but you can follow all of them, uh, you know, kind of if you follow Ninja Boy Media, that's N-I-N-J-A-B-O-I uh, Media uh, on Twitter. Um, and, you know, that that kind of links to all of my different shows from there. So...
0: Well, I'll make sure to to link to that in the show notes so people can find you easily. Now, stay tuned for next week when we have part two of our celebration of Japanese cinema with Naomi Wada Platt returning. This time we're looking at animation, a topic that you are very fond of too, Paulo.
1: Oh, yeah. No, definitely. And if you want me to have me on to talk more about anime uh, as well, I'm I'm more than glad to do that as well, obviously.
0: Yeah. I I think we'll have to do that. You know, uh, this is going to be like pre-beginner, and then you can help me do the actual beginner level uh, credits I need to get for for my anime card. (laughs) All right. Now, what movies are you most looking forward to, listener? Follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ContraZoomPod and let us know. Make sure to visit ContraZoomPod.com for all your CZP needs. Today's show is presented by Aesthetic Magazine. Thank you to Eric and Kevin Smale for the theme music and Stephanie Pryor for the logo design. If you could rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts, it will be a huge help for us to grow and find new listeners. Thanks for listening.